Welcome to another episode of Pro-Am Disc Golf. I'm Gavin Goodwin. And I'm Chris Tolesbo. And we appreciate you f- for joining us. Uh, last week we were off, just had some stuff come up, mm. and uh, we're back. But the show's free, so, <laughs> uh, I, you know, we didn't get any complaints, so thank you. But uh, we uh, we really appreciate people listening. Um, there's, like, it just keeps trending up and up and up. Like, yes. it's really cool to see that, you know, we just keep getting more people listening to the show. I mean, it's not like exponential exponential growth yet and probably won't be because it's a pretty niche topic. But uh but it's cool. Yeah, I like it. Um so thanks everybody uh share the word and we appreciate you telling other people about the show. Um here's here's something fun. Uh this is something I've heard other podcasts kind of like hint about not doing recently. I'm going to say do it. Uh if you're just get all your friends' phones and just subscribe to our show <laughs> on their phones, it's genius. Yeah, just just do that for us. That would be, and if you do that, <laughs> let me know because that would be, it, it would it would tickle my heart so much to see just like a massive uptick in downloads because people had no idea that they even had the show on their phone. So that would be really fun. <laughs> um, well, we are excited to be back, and we've got a little bit of feedback on our topic from two weeks ago when we last recorded when we talked about baskets mm-hmm. um i think we got quite a bit actually didn't i think i'm, I'm just realizing this right now probably should have done this in the pre-program but um didn't cole say something about that colleen she uh she posted okay looking for feedback and i don't know if she got any okay all right but yes okay um that's yeah that's what it was so call if if you have my brain is not working lately yeah calling if you have something yes it's Uh, summertime man maybe that's it like it's 100 degrees it's hard to think yeah today was a little bit cooler than it's been and it felt hotter to me for some reason and i think it's just because i was kind of in like a grumpy mood i don't know but i'm so (laughs) explain a couple things um the other night so my wife uh a little bit laid up. She injured her knee. She like twisted up, how it hurt a pop and she was trying to take it easy. And, um, I was going out. So I, I was just going out to go for a nice walk at night and like go swing by some of my rental properties, do a little bit of work, but it was like late at night, like 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. So I told her to go to bed. Um, she was great with that. And I said, Oh, I'll bring you up some water. Cause she wanted some water. So about an hour later I'm out and, uh, just finishing up my walk. And I get a phone call from her and she said, are you, are you downstairs? I said, no, I'm, you know, just finished my walk. She's like, well, are you, okay. I thought you were bringing me water. <laughs> it's like, oh, totally spaced that. <laughs> Today I came home and uh, she needed something that was upstairs. And again, it's, she has a harder time getting upstairs and downstairs. Walked up to my bedroom and thought, I don't know what I came up here for. <laughs> and then started putting away clothes. And then about half hour later, my daughter comes upstairs saying, dad, are you up here? Said, yeah. <laughs> Mom, <laughs> do you have mom's thing? Oh, yeah. Here it is. One of so, those. One of those days. Yeah, like one of those weeks, apparently. <laughs> so, um, my my brain is not not firing on all cylinders, um, and I think it's a straight three to begin with. So, but <laughs> so last week or two weeks ago, we talked about baskets, uh-huh. uh, and go back and listen to that because you know we kind of expressed our frustration. W- Thinking about that personally, where I think that I'm at is I think that 
PDGA needs to say, this is the sanction basket. These are the dimensions. This is the stuff. This is the number of chains. This is the weight of chains that go into a sanction basket. And if you can make it to the standard, then by all means, make these tournament baskets. And it's the same as with all other sports, really. You know, anything that's regulated, there's a standard. I'm trying to think of something that's not like a standard goal. Um, football's absolutely standardized, depending yeah. on what league you're in. Basketball's standardized. Lacrosse, polo, everything. Yeah. Go- golf. Water polo, even. like They're all the same goal. Yeah. Per, per league or country yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the closest parallel to our sport is golf and it's absolutely standardized what, what a a hole is, you know, what, Mm -hmm. how big that cup can be, how deep that could be, what materials can be used. So, um, that's where I am. Do you have any, like, or even (laughs) you've thought about this years longer than I have. Yeah. I just, I just want consistency. So, uh, a certain target across all courses would be more consistent. And if they caught everything, they'd be consistent. Yeah. Um, that's probably not going to happen in the near future or ever. Um, I don't know if there's the community to make a universal target happen. Well, um, I think there, I think if PDGA says f- starting in 2025, all baskets have to meet this standard. I think that's easy enough. You know, I mean, could you improve a basketball hoop? Probably. Like there's probably different alloys you could use or something to mm-hmm. make it a little bit better, but that's the standard. That's, that's what well, they call a standard. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you use. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. And so, um, anybody can make one. They just have to make it to that specification. Yeah. And, um, you know, people make novelty things all the time that you can use in your backyard or whatever. But I guess saying like, if you're going to be hosting an NT or an open or a big tournament, uh, you have to use one of these sanction baskets starting at some reasonable date in the future. Mm-hmm. And then um, those are the baskets that just get manufactured and put in. And so I guess through attrition, you start to see those on the championship level courses. Yes, that would work. That would help. And then, well, I think so. And then it's like, well, this basket doesn't work great with my natural putting style, but I know that everywhere I go yep. in, in the country to play, or at least that's a sanctioned tournament by PDGA at a certain level, C tiers, you know, put up like a, something in your, in your trunk. I don't care. Like just yeah. have fun with it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, top level stuff, you know, and then it eventually trickles down, which it always does. Uh-huh. And I, so. I think the best part of that would be that whatever target it is, whether it catches one kind of putt, that you do or kind that you don't like doing. If there was the, um, consistency of the same target, you could learn the putt that works for it. Like you learn how to putt on that target. Yeah. Instead of having to, you know, move your aim, move your angle, move your speed, move your nose angle. Yeah. Because you know that your normal putt isn't good on that basket. So like Rick, I mean, he arguably the best putter in the world. Um, hard nose down center. He gets spit outs on Mach 5 and under and disc catchers. Anything Mach X, anything Prodigy. They're more modern baskets. Yeah. Those, anything with more chains in the middle is going to stop his putt. Yeah. But does that mean he's a bad putter if he's playing on a course with Mach 2s? No. 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 And but, if you can nail a Mach 2, like if that's what's around you and you're you excellent learn how to on a Mach 2, mm-hmm. but then you, you know, you're on a, Probably a more modern out basket. Of a Mach X. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I want, I want to hear more ideas. 
from anybody. So we got some. Yes. From listeners. Uh, we got this one from uh, Jay Marmot, friend of the show. And I like that he puts this little caveat at the top. The cost would be astronomical, and I agree with that. <laughs> That's never a good start to an idea. <laughs> Especially when it comes to disc golf. Yeah, if, if you're trying to improve disc golf and the first part of your idea is the cost is astronomical, uh, yeah. Yeah. But continue. Um, I, that means there's promise. Yeah. Side tangent real quick on like the costs. Maybe we talked about this. I can't remember, but I saw somebody, I think it was, I don't know if it was a meme or it was just a comment that I saw at some point, but somebody's complaining about how expensive shoes are like a, you know, a pair of Gore-Tex trail runners. Okay. And the, I, I've sold enough shoes in other, you know, previous lives, like in high school and college, I worked at outdoor stores. And so they're, you know, for a decent Gore-Tex trail running shoe, which a lot of people like to play disc golf in myself included, uh, full retail, you're looking probably 120 to, to 200 bucks, you know, yeah. in that range. Like that's a pretty wide range, yeah. but you can get them down to like 60, 82. Well, that's full retail. Yeah. yeah. But you can find yeah. them on clearance. Absolutely. Like that's what I do. I find them for oh, 60, yeah. 70 bucks and, and pick them up. Even if it's way out of season, I'll just grab them because I know I'm eventually going to wear them out. Uh, but somebody's complaining about spending a hundred dollars for a pair of shoes and, uh, some comment or meme or something that I just smiled at was like, Happily spend two hundred and fifty bucks on a bag, three hundred and fifty bucks on a Zuka cart. Complains about spending fifty hundred bucks on a pair of shoes. But that's yeah. that's pretty good. Like thousands of dollars on plastic, but won't spend hundred bucks on a pair of shoes. <sighs> yeah, the upside. Well, the supporting side of that argument is that shoes don't last nearly as long as any of those other things. No, no, and that's true. So um, dollar per time is a better argument, but still, still. You, but I mean, it's part of your equipment. Shoes, like. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and you can play in whatever you want to play. Plays in Chacos. I've yeah, exclusively Chacos. I've, I've known a handful of people that play in Chacos. She has the coolest tan lines. <laughs> I bet it's like five years of disc golfing in Chacos. Yeah. Well, it seems to be that for what I see mostly is I was going to say two camps, but I'll say three camps. Uh, so the first camp is like trail runners, you know, mm-hmm. which is usually what I play in, but that's just what I wear. Period. Anyway, most of the time. Um, second camp is like skate shoes mm-hmm. i see a lot of them yeah which gives you good grip on the on a like a hard surface pad you know mm-hmm. if you're throwing off concrete yeah, textured concrete's really good yeah and they're made to be slid on concrete all the, i mean they're made to be slid against sandpaper all day yeah. long so they're a very durable style issue especially if you drag your toe or something mm-hmm. uh and then the third camp that i see is like whatever you had on for work <laughs> you're still wearing often work boots so yeah, yeah. a lot of boots yeah, <laughs> I think boots are a good about good idea. I I'll pl- I've played in boots when it's winter and there's okay. snow and stuff. Okay. Like you know, I'll play in my hiking boots or something. But I would much prefer to play in a pair of yeah trail runners. That's fair. But um, I'm a fan. Yeah. I I play in Adidas. I don't know I, how we got to shoes, but I love it. Oh, it just costs. All oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. But uh, um, Sierra Trading Post. Is a place that I found. Okay, that's like the TJ Maxx of outdoor stuff. It's like oh. what TJ Maxx is to say, like anything else, Macy's or yeah. any department store. Sierra Trading Post is to like REI. Oh, cool. So I've that's got a pair of Keen their Gore Tex for like seventy bucks. But Solid. I've, I've been playing them for a year, and they're still holding up pretty Solid. well. So I think I heard somebody say Sportsman Warehouse will have Adidas on clearance sometimes. Oh, there you, you go. can get yeah. those Swift. For like 50 bucks. Yeah. I just always shop for the deal. Yeah. And then I buy them when I see them. So. Always. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's our shoe advice. 
Well, that's a show. Shoe corner. <laughs> uh, trail runner. Yep. Check them out. Uh, uh, all right. Back to this email. Ac- back to astronomical. Yes. Astronomical cost. Uh, but I've, the cost would be astronomical, but I've always wanted some kind of buzzer, like a hockey net. And hockey, if a, leading, if a leading edge of the puck enters and stops dead, it's still in. So all you would need to do is cross that cylindrical plane and tip the sensor. It would cure all chain outs and pole bounces and what have you. Other side is that it would increase the ace counts and birdies, birds and stuff. Because you could buzz the tower at 90 miles an hour and be in. Is that bad though? At my level of play, the only time I notice a difference with a basket is when I come across one of those with like eight chains and not related, but still related is basket color. Oh, I like this a lot. Yeah, so, this is a good side. Uh, let's talk about this, the, the sensors thing, and then I really do want to get to this color thing. So let's talk about the first part of his email. Okay, the hockey, hockey style sensor. Hockey style sensor. That would be awesome. I can't imagine how you would make that feasible. Like, and, and it would be incredibly expensive, but also... It seems like the chains themselves would be tripping the sensor all the time too. Yeah, I think we would have to redesign the target. Um, I think the. I think we just put a hockey net out there. Honestly, I'm down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I think the biggest trick with that would be that it would be significantly easier to make it a directional target instead of. Yeah, omnidirectional. Omnidirectional, yes. Because <sighs> otherwise, you have. So many sensors spaced however far apart you want. The more yeah. you do, the more it costs. And the more you have, the more it'll get tripped by leaves and birds and well, I think things as well. I don't know if we've talked about this on the show or not. I know you and I have talked about this, but like the aesthetic of a disc golf basket, I don't like. Like I just yeah. don't think it's a good looking thing personally. Yeah. Um, that's why it's not our logo. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, no offense to anybody that uses that as their logo or whatever. It's just not an aesthetic that I personally jive on yeah. very much. Um, but that being said, and all this talk about baskets, like they're, they, they're pretty, it's a pretty decent concept, like for a target, like they work really pretty well. The problem, I'm gonna go back to what I said before is that there's just so many different styles that catch so differently. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if it never went past like a Mach three, that's what would be everywhere. And it would be problematic for the way a lot of people play. That would make me very sad. Yeah. Well, yeah. you just have to completely change your short game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be, that's what everybody would know that that's what they're playing on. You know? Fair. But, you know, to go back to basketball thing, well, like we don't still shoot into a peach basket like when yeah. you're in the NBA. Um, so things should improve. Mm-hmm. But uh, when is enough enough? Like there's so much <laughs> new stuff out there. Yeah, it, it's kind of like an arms race. Like, you want to be the first one to get the good enough. That's why I think that the governing body needs to say this. Yeah. This is the basket. I think we're still experimenting, though. I don't think there is a the, the basket, basket Yeah. yet. So, while the brands are being competitive and curious and creative, I think it's good. Yeah. It's a little bit frustrating as a non-full-time player. Yeah. To go somewhere else and play on a new basket and not know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I think it is necessary to get to a point where we do have more consistency. But also, to develop, to engineer something that works, like it functions as a, as a functional target and can sit outside for decades yeah. in all sorts of inclement weather and all, like in every climate in the country and the world. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 
hats off to yeah. whoever's making those bats. Like that's really a pretty impressive thing. Like, the, yeah, because it's a, it's not a. They're not delicate. They can't be delicate by any stretch of the imagination. They're going to sit in a public park, and yep. they're going to get kids sitting in them. Absolutely, they're going to get kids standing on them and planking on them. They're mm-hmm. going to get hit by lawnmowers occasionally. Yep. Uh, but lawnmowers do win. We talked about that. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, and all sorts of sun damage and, and mm-hmm. everything else. And you know, you go around here, and there's some baskets that you know were put in like 20 years ago ish, mm-hmm. and there's some baskets that were put in literally months ago mm-hmm. and they the ones that were put a months ago are a newer design a better basket more chains whatever but the ones that were put in 20 years ago still function perfectly well yeah honestly arguably as well as they did 20 years ago yeah so and i just i should take a second and be clear that through all my ranting and complaining about baskets they're clever it is a good target yeah. the idea is great the fact that they work as well as they do is really impressive to me i just i'm not a good enough putter to have six styles of putt. Yeah. So I get I get frustrated and I get selfish about it. But they're, I mean, targets are neat. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sorry, sidetrack. Go. No, that's good. And I feel like I could go off on that for like another three hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not being fair to, to Jay Marmot and his email. Um, all right. Uh, okay. And not related. Okay. Going back to the email. Not related, but still related is basket color. Would it kill them to make every basket a bright color? <laughs> nothing more frustrating than standing on a tee pad facing a basket 230 feet out and not knowing where it is because it's dull gray and just vanishes in the surroundings love from the pacific northwest p p and dub so he's in washington nice uh jacob sent from his iphone so uh i couldn't agree with you more about the color yes we were saying this the other day well actually probably a couple months ago now but when we were out playing at the portal, which uh-huh. was um, on a golf be- course. beautiful new baskets on a great golf course, and it's a nice long course. I've sang the praises of this course for a while. Don't love the name. Uh, love the course, but the the holes or the baskets are MVP. Are they black holes? Um, I would be my guess. I, there's some type of MVP basket, a modern basket, I think like a nice basket, type yeah. of tournament. I think they're basket. MVP's top basket. Yeah. Uh, but they are painted matte black, correct? Yep. The band is black. Yeah. And the basket is black too, right? I think that, I mean, the chains are not. Chains are silver. And I think the cage is also gray. Okay. I but think the band the is band. matte black. And that's the part I look for. But like, I can't see it. Oh, no. It, it is invisible. And some of these holes are like, what's the Eight. long one? Oh, 1,100 feet? Yeah, 1,100 feet. 800 feet, 700 feet. The, the shortest hole is probably 260, 280. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe not even that. Maybe three hundred. That one I can see, because it contrasts enough against like the brown behind it. Yeah, it's yeah. just there's a hill full of weeds right behind it. Yeah. But unless there's something right behind it, like to me they completely disappear. So I have to have Chris tell me where they are. And if thankfully, I, the, none of them are in my drive range, so I just need, need to get it in the fairway. Yeah. And I I don't see very well, so I can't see them. I know where they are because I helped put them in. Yeah. Um. But another example is the fort. Oh, you told me about this. Cool new course. Again, I don't see... It's supposed to be an awesome course. It's really wooded, Super wooded. Yeah. Very new for Utah. Very much needed. Um, I don't see very well. Like, I don't know why. I wear contacts. My vision is okay. I just don't see very well, especially at distance. Um, Super wooded course. Sunlight trickles through most of it. The, The Prodigy baskets, brand new, went in. They're green. So, you know where they are? 
and you can point them out to me, and I still have a hard time seeing them. And I know Prodigy has made colored baskets before. Well, they made green ones, yeah. So make an orange one. Yeah. Or red. Or Fluorescent yellow or pink. Maybe pink might be too much, but anything. Even white. Yeah. I... Or, like, I guess it's better than, like, real tree camo. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could spray paint them. You make them look like, like a duck woodland blind. camo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, th- and those are colored. So, black and green are an attempt to distinguish aesthetically. I, th- I mean, I think I, they yeah. could do more than that. I don't know. Um, but the gray ones are even harder to see. Sometimes, yeah. You put it more than 350 feet away. Yeah. I start losing it into whatever's behind it. That's why I love when there's a flag on top of a basket. Yes. It doesn't happen very much. Yes. But when there's and I guess that's a durability thing, like they're not as weather resistant. Mm-hmm. It's hard um, to but yeah, it's it is funny how hard it can be to see a basket sometimes. Now if you're familiar with the course, you know where it's gonna be. Uh-huh. That's fine. But uh would would flags work at the fort? They would help. Like a like I've, orange. it's so wooded I've never been there. Uh, but like at the portal on the golf course, it would absolutely be fine. Like, oh yeah, you just put yeah, a different yeah. color than the pins for the golf course, yeah, or a different shape even, like something dramatic, just like an orange crossing flag. Yeah, sure, fine. Yeah, uh, that I, would that would just help dramatically. I think flags would fix the problem for me at the portal. They would not fix it at the fort because of how many trees there are. Yeah, but it would help. Yeah, so I'd be more likely to see a glimpse of bright orange or something poking through, than. Neon green. Now, in a tournament, can they put flags on for the tournament? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or like a number plate, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As long as it's the same for everybody and it stays. Sometimes number plates help a lot. Yeah. And I like bands, but sometimes they're, again, if they're a color that is not enough contrast, it doesn't help a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Help, so, us, help us sight impaired people. Yeah. And I, I'm, uh, I have a, I wear glasses, but I have astigmatism, so that's basically what my glasses correct. I'm 20-20 without my glasses. I don't know oh, what whoa. I am with my glasses. Okay. So I actually have pretty decent vision. Yeah. And I cannot see some of those baskets. Like, <laughs> so also the that's thing funny. too is if it's just over a knoll, like just a little bit of a flag mm-hmm. would really help with. Mm-hmm. Imagine playing golf if there were not flags in the pins, if there were not pins in the holes. Speaking of, I golf fairly often. I can never see the flag. The pole is non-existent, so if the flag isn't flying sideways, I can't see it. Really? Yeah. Outside like 120 yards. You might want to get your eyes checked again, Chris. But I can see everything. It just Once you get out to that 400 feet, huh? it just things disappear. You need to carry a, like a, a monocular with you. I know. That's a good idea. Even yeah. just like a rangefinder, like I, a double I, purpose. I've got one. There we go. Yeah. Fixed it. I actually have used that golfing before, like just to find the basket, like... Especially if I'm at a course that I'm not familiar with and just trying to read the number from yeah. from a distance, like which pin am I throwing to? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When I was in Rock Springs, Wyoming, I threw I, a very nice drive and then turned around and realized, oh, no, that was the wrong basket. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I went and got it. So, uh, no. Um, that was kind of funny. But that was my fault. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. Uh we got another email from Hunter. Okay. Um, have you guys thought about filming your rounds together and uploading to YouTube? Like Condor versus Zeppelin round or other challenges that are brought up in the podcast. I know some people don't like being on camera, but it could be something cool, I think. 
Um, I'm don't love being on camera, but I'm fine with that. So it's just more of a matter of, uh, logistics of, you know, usually it's just the two of us out there. So, uh, and I don't want to edit something. If somebody wants to edit, like we can get the video. If somebody wants to edit that together and put it together, but I've got a GoPro that has got some amazing raw footage on it. Like took it, I've taken it. I took it to the blue hole when I was scuba diving, um, took it zip lining in Costa Rica. I've just amazing things with it. And the editing and the putting the whole video together just hasn't really happened Mm -hmm. with, uh, the fact that I've got other, well, children that need attention. So, yeah, that would have been my comment as well is that we can film it and I don't, I don't care if you watch me suck with Frisbees that are fun to throw. Yeah. Um, but, but we'll put up, maybe we'll just take some like shots and, and yeah, we could film a bunch and highlight reel it. Yeah. Or just like even just film like a couple drives, yeah. you know, and just post them up. Yeah. So, but I do like that. Uh, I, I like will that say up. I took my, the, uh, one fifteen condor you're going to use. Oh, up to solitude. Lost it. Nope. Oh boy. Is it hard to throw? Is it? And I've been meaning to try to practice with my condor, but my wife ended up putting it in like the camping bag to take like frisbee with the kids. Yeah. And that's that's what this little light one does. It's yeah. an awesome catch disc. Oh yeah, it's one fifteen. Inside like a hundred feet, it's just point and shoot. Yeah. As soon as you try to throw it, it's doing barrel rolls. Like it's That's like my Zephyr. It's so hard. I was throwing it downhill at eighty five hundred feet in elevation and it was still just like bending right not not like turning and flying like cartwheeling to the ground <laughs> yeah it was hard that is uh so i look forward to filming that that's funny um uh all right well um was there something else we want to talk about uh oh i need to talk about something go um we had who was it that suggested that i i buy the pharaoh the infinite discs Pharaoh. Ooh, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember. Was it Colleen? I don't think so. Um, let me try to pull up our group um, here real quick. Somebody suggested that I, some listeners, I think a Pharaoh is a turn sibling. Uh, it may a be sibling. It's, it's similar a to the strike sibling? is what they were saying, but I think the strike and the turn are very similar too. Um, but, uh, I bought a Pharaoh and, Dun, dun, dun. I haven't, I, I, I like it. I don't feel like I've played with it enough. Uh, we've had some sickness on my family and things no. going through, but, um, I like it. And honestly it flies probably between my Shrek and my turn. Okay. So, and I, but I thought that the turn, when I got the turn, I was like, Oh, this is going to be my new disc. This is going to be great for me. I should have just gone with this instead of the Shrek. I still like my Shrikes. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I'm still in the 300 foot range. But they seem to fly more predictably for me. Yeah. They're more. Uh, I'm trying to think now. I think. Well, no, I'm going to say that wrong. I can't. Yeah. Anyway, I li- I still like my strikes a little bit more. They fly straighter for me for whatever reason. So. Okay, and I think I think part of that is probably you just you like strikes. Yeah. Once you find a disc you like that's comfortable, even if something is close to it, you're going to keep the one that you like. Yeah. Um, I had a. A little bit of a funny story from the disc golf course. Do it. So uh, I went out to Creekside uh, about a week and a half ago, um, maybe a week ago, and uh, just by myself playing and actually was having a pretty decent round. Um, And then there's 
hole is it not i can't even remember what i can't keep track of which holes are which because they did change yeah <laughs> but the one where you're teeing out over the river okay uh yeah. to, to the to the field the backfield yep um i was you know lining up there and then i see a guy uh shanked a drive and it went into the water and i shouted down hey i've got a golden retriever if you need that you know and he's mm-hmm. like and they I thought it was just right on the bank, but it was a little bit further in. So they, they, you know, asked if they could borrow it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to explain to them how to use this thing. So I'll just go down and do it. Uh, so I went and fished his disc out and it took a little while, but I fished it out. And, uh, they, it was funny too. Cause they were like, well, we'll just probably have to come back. Cause it, you know, it was a current fighting the current. And then I got it and they're like, that thing's amazing. I need to buy one. <laughs> so I told them to use our, our offer code. I don't know if it's still active on infinite discs, but check. I know. Uh, but, uh, so then I went to go drive. <laughs> And shank to drive in the water. In the water, yeah. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> um, so I get my golden retriever back out, and I walk back down there. <laughs> and uh, in Utah, our rivers and creeks are very shallow. Like if you're in the East Coast, rivers are as deep as they are wide. In the West Coast, they are not that. Uh, it's like just four uh, feet, usually max. Yeah. Like the deepest river I've personally been in in the West Coast is sections of the Colorado. Mm-hmm. And you can boat in there, but it's still not super deep. Like it's maybe 10, 12, you know, feet yeah. deep. There's sections, you know, where it's like say, I've pretty been, deep. I've been at least nine feet deep in Colorado. Yeah. But um, there's so, but this is like, I mean, it's in a, spot, it's, it's inches stream. deep, you know, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> it happened to be in an eddy and it was a good, you know, 20, 20 something inches under the water. I think I can't really see it, mm-hmm. but I see like, a, and it was my, the bot the g-star boss that i bought to replace the one that i lost in uh, oh, nebraska no. or wherever i was um and uh not nebraska south dakota south dakota i didn't want to correct you yeah thank you uh so uh but i see this blue faint blue ring and i'm like that's probably a disc like it's mm-hmm. it's not a color that appears in nature certainly not in that size and not in that perfect shape yeah so it takes me a while to fish down because I'm fighting the current again, but I finally catch it. And those golden retrievers that Dynamic makes are amazing for getting discs out of water. Like they're they're really really great at it. I don't know why they work so well, but they really do. As long as you as long as you can see it. Well, yes, and or you just get lucky. Dre- yeah, you know, or dredging. you can feel it. Um, but uh, also make sure to tie the knots good enough <laughs> that it doesn't fall off because that almost happened to me. Uh, so. Uh, so I finally get it. I, I'm, I'm probably took like 20 something tries mm-hmm. to get it out Ooh. and I pull it up and it, again, I'm expecting my G star boss, 20 something dollar disc ish. And what I pull up is a <laughs> DX Valkyrie with holes in it. Like not quite holes okay. in it, but okay. pretty well, pretty well abused, pretty well, uh, written up on the back of it. Yep. <laughs> I am so bumped. And then I hear, uh, the dudes that I helped get their disc a little bit ago say, Kevin, did you lose another one? Oh gosh. I said, yeah. I said, I found it, but I actually found one, but it wasn't my disc. And they go, wait, is this yours? And they were about 30 feet downstream oh. and it was just sitting on the bank. Like my disc <laughs> was just sitting on the bank. So I spent about 20 minutes fishing a disc out. Uh, no number on it. There was a name. I posted it online. I still haven't heard anything back. Um, and you know what? Uh, well, no, I was going to say I'll do a giveaway, but that's not disc isn't even worth mailing. Um, <laughs> no. But, no yeah, I've got a very one. used DX Valkyrie if anybody wants it. 
um, and and is willing to pay the shipping or just come get it from me because it's just sitting in my car right now. And there you go. Like, uh, otherwise, I'll just throw it in my practice bag. But um, that's fun. Yeah, that was funny. But it also made me think like, where could I go and just start fishing for discs? Because I felt like. When people, there's, you know, a couple guys here that put on waders and go wander through some creeks. And I love those guys. Like, uh, they're the best. Mm-hmm. They, I think I've only had one disc return from that, but I also don't lose a lot in that water because I just play super conservative. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're fishing out 20, 30 discs at a time regularly. Mm-hmm. Always. Um, and I just thought that's a nice thing. So I was looking around in spots oh, like, nice. can I see any more? But there weren't, nice. I couldn't see any more. So. Speaking of funny retriever stories, yes, I have one funny story. Um, at Utah Open three years ago, the first one, um, we teed off on hole one. If anyone's watched the footage, it's like a long par four with a pond on your right and then another pond on the right. We were teeing off from on top of the driving range, so there's a giant metal pole, not totally in the way, but kind of in the this way. This is at a golf course, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was playing with Eric Oakley, and he throws a shot, hits the pole kicks into the pond okay like practicing for a tournament we go down to oh this is a practice round yeah okay oh gosh so glad it was a practice round um we walk down to who is vending i would guess it was infinite um he buys another of the same disc we walk back up he throws it it hits the pole oh no it goes in the pond <laughs> almost identical <laughs> almost identical so he's consistent. So we walk that's, back that's down. Eric, Eric. We walk back down the stairs. We buy a golden retriever. His first throw with it throws the whole thing in the pond, like he wasn't holding the end of the string. Oh my! Are you serious? Yes. So now he's put two discs, including one he bought two minutes ago. So I'm guessing that's like they weren't probably prime discs. Oh no! It was a twenty dollar. Yeah. Play. So he's put. Uh, the golden retriever is like yeah, like thirty-five bucks or something like that. So, yeah, just in, chucked it in right five in the water. minutes. Yeah, first throw, he throws it. Just literally threw and it. And I in the look water. at him, and I see the string fly by him, and I was like, huh. And I just started laughing, and he's <laughs> he's starting to get a little upset at this point. So, we, understandably, uh, I mean, it's so funny. Yeah, it is funny, so, but I can understand like the frustration. So we went and found the water dogs, the guys up there who know the ponds and have better retrievers and. Yeah. Everything. And he's like, will you retrieve my retriever so I can retrieve my discs? <laughs> Did they? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Um, <laughs> but pro tip, if you're using a golden retriever, hold, hold on to, on the, to string. the string. <laughs> Isn't that good? That is so good. Yeah. Eric Oakley, before he was famous, throwing retrievers in ponds. <laughs> I wonder if he's going to be pissed about that story. Oh, I'm going to make him listen to this. I tell everybody. It's my favorite golden retriever story. They only work if you can pull oh, on the string. Oh my gosh. So somebody needs to come out with a golden retriever retriever? Yeah. See it? A market idea. Yeah. Just like a hook on a stick. Oh my gosh. How far did he get it out? I mean, more than the 30 feet of string. Like middle of the pond. <laughs> That's so good. Right? That story's so good. And then it was disc, buy new disc, pond, buy retriever, pond, pout. Like, what do you do? Now, did he find his discs? Yes. He did get them both back. Both back. Okay. And the retriever back. But still, one of the best disc golf memories I have was that day. That is such a good story. (laughs) Yeah. That is so good. Thanks for that, Eric. Holy cow. Um, If anybody else has any good, (laughs) like, retrieving stories, I'm excited to hear them. Uh, I... uh, 
this isn't even close to it, but the one I posted a picture where I could see my disc and it looked like it was just like 18 inches away from where I was standing. Uh-huh. And uh, everybody was like, go get it, you wuss. But oh, yeah. where I was, it was like a sheer bank about six feet down to the water that would have collapsed if I tried to step on it. And there was no way to get into the water without going in the water. Uh, so that was a, that was, yeah, that was, you could fall in. I, well, I would have, I it would have just been going swimming for my disc, even though I could see it because it hadn't sunken through the silt yet. It would have just been going swimming for my disc. That was the day I bought a golden retriever actually was, was after that disc. Okay. In there. That's a good time to get one. Um, yeah. And if I had it in my bag, I would have fished it right out. Yep. But fortunately one of the guys, like I saw the dude in his waders walking over to the river at that moment. So, um, perfect. Oh, I love that. Um, I wonder, I'm a certified diver. I wonder if I could just go dive the pond at Jolly's. <laughs> There's a pond. I'll find stuff. No, not Jolly, sorry, at Toad's. Oh, I'm, I don't know. I think they've tried. Um, they know the ponds pretty well. I think they did try some diving. I think there's no visibility in most of them. No, there wouldn't be. You would just be reaching around. Yeah. Freshwater diving is uh, yeah. usually pretty murky. So Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to Scuba Talk. I might uh, get certified. You should. I have the itch. Oh, that's right. You were saying that. Yeah. I, I might, highly, I might highly recommend it. it. It is cool. Okay. Um, it's going to happen. Yeah. Then we'll have Pro-Am Scuba. Oh, it would be Am-Am. <laughs> am. Experienced Am. Am and Scuba. Am. Slightly more experienced. Am and Am, am Scuba. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> we should just. <laughs> if you do get certified, though, we'll, we will definitely go dive. There's a place that I've wanted to go out here called, I think, Seabase. Um, it's out by the salt lake. Have you heard about that? Mm-mm. They've made the salinity the same as the ocean. Oh, and so um, it's out in like Tooele ish, but there's like sharks and other stuff that you can go dive with. I might have been there as a kid, probably on a field trip or something. Went snorkeling somewhere, and I got to swim with nurse sharks. That would be it. Okay, yeah. that would be. I've been exactly. there. Then. Yeah, I have, have heard of it. Yeah. Turns out, um, the place that most people do their open, so they do a lot of open water diving, like uh, for certifications there. But where I went uh, is the Heber Crater. Oh. Have you heard about that? No, but it sounds cool. You never heard of this? Okay. No. This, if you're not from Utah, this is really like a geologic anomaly. Like, I don't know that there's another place in the world that's like this. Um, this is, there's no disc golf in this, in this story. But it's this amazing place that um, <clears throat> it's a geothermically heated spring. And so it's not sulfur heated. It's just geothermically heated and it's a, the water is like a constant 98 degrees or something Whoa. like that. Like I can't remember what the temperature is, but it's a very cozy Warm. temperature yeah. and it's constant, like from top to bottom, that's the temperature Whoa. and the, the water like recycles itself, like because of the spring, like it f- totally recycles itself every so often. And, um, it's amazing, but it was, uh, it's a crater. Like, so it was, um, it looks like a, like a, the top of it, is like a little mound and then it co- like a collapsed mm-hmm. hole in it. And uh, when the pioneers first came, they would use it kind of as like a spring, but I don't think that the water's all that drinkable because it's so mineral rich, but it was just like a weird anomaly. Like they would throw hmm. garbage in, you know, sometimes like throw a wagon wheel in. In fact, there's a wagon wheel in there now, but now they use it for diving. So it's at the Homestead Resort, which is a resort okay. out in Heber. Um, and they burrowed a hole through the side of it. So you just walk in like it's like a cave. Oh. And you're in this cave, basically. And uh, there's, it's, I think, 
45-ish feet deep. Um, but because you're at altitude, it, it's, it affects your body like if you were going deeper okay. in water because – you know, it's yeah. just we're diving at altitude here in Utah. Yeah. Um, Bigger difference. But it's awesome. Like you just wear, I was just wearing a rash guard to protect me from like scratches of the, mm-hmm. the vest that you wear, the BC. And uh, you just go down 45 feet and it's not cold. Like a wetsuit is overkill there. Like that's even a so shorty cool. wetsuit would get you too warm. That's so cool. So that's where we did our open water certification. And the day that I did my last open water dive there, I think it was, I believe it was sub-zero. And oh, that would be amazing. I, had, uh, I went, I was skiing that morning because I was teaching skiing. So I, I'd skied all day. What? And then I drove from Sundance to Heber, which is, you know, uh, up not, a canyon. Yeah, up a canyon. Um, I was already up the canyon, just finished coming across the canyon. Um, and then went scuba diving that evening in warm water. In warm water. That's amazing. And that was awesome. And then at one point, I had to like, I forgot something in my car, like my mask or something. And so I oh, had no. to walk out in like sub zero weather. <laughs> From this tunnel out to my car and get it. And it was, I was, my body was so warm. It was like getting out of a hot tub and running around. Oh, yep. just hit my mic. Like running around. Have you ever done that? Like yep. Where you feel, that's exactly yeah, and it's, what... it was like, it was awesome. So, yeah. and you just see steam oh. pouring out of the top, the, like the holes, okay, like the this, top and the door. This has to happen. It's such a cool place. Yeah. The Heber crater is really cool. Um, it's not, if that's your only reason to come to Utah, probably you're going to be disappointed but if you happen to be here and if you're especially if you're a diver like it's a cool thing to dive at you know in that kind of weather at altitude like it's 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 a unique place in the world and there's um like 40 feet down or something like that they took one of the wagon wheels that they found at the bottom and like hung it up so it's just like a, a, a marker of where you can decompress and how you know you can go and yeah it's it's really cool it's like just kind of hourglass shaped and then i think at the widest point it's probably like 30, 40 feet across. Okay. So not huge. It's just deep. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. And there's like, they built um, like benches and a section and made it kind of shallower. So it's like a hot tub. Awesome. It's it's really cool. Awesome. Yeah, it's a cool place. So, so check it out if you're yeah. into scuba. Yeah. So if you get certified, we'll definitely go dive Deal. around here. That would be really fun. Deal. Um, all right. Well, totally, that's, a, that's totally our, related to everything. Yeah. <laughs> that's our disc golf podcast. Baskets, for you guys. shoes, lights, and scuba. Um, but, uh, I, I'm liking the Pharaoh, so I will say that. Okay. So, um, we're going to tie that all in. Yes. <laughs> this is like a delirious Thursday. I know this is a, this is probably our most disjointed episode so far. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> nah, I'm not too, too, too much sun today. <laughs> so much sun. <laughs> My son. So <laughs> sorry. So many stories today is recording this Thursday, July 12th. Um, we'd gotten somehow, I don't know. My wife had gotten some notification from a friend that was on an e- a mailing list. It's like, you know, the store build a bear. Yeah. Yes. You can go build your own stuffed animal. Um, so it's today. It was like the first ever pay your age day at build a bear. So my daughter's seven, it would have cost her $7 Aww. to get any Build-A-Bear. That's my, such a good and idea. And then my other son's four, and my other son's one. So it would have been $1 to get any Build-A-Bear that he wants. But if you take your parents, do you have to pay like 60 bucks? Max is $29. Okay, good. So yeah, so pretty good. Yeah. Um, like r- exceptional deal. It was like, whoa, this is like really, really good deal. Mm-hmm. So we told our kids, we had them do extra jobs. They earned their seven and $4. Like they were super excited. They worked really hard for it. Um the nearest one's at a mall, Fashion Place Mall. It's about a half hour south of where I live. Mm-hmm. Um, so I drove my kids down there. 
And we got there. Build a bear opens at ten. We got we pulled into the parking lot probably like ten ten. Um, and I see like just these people leading out like the back service entrance, like the, where the employees go, and just strollers lined up and kids and people. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I rolled down my window and I said, is this the build a bear line? They're like, yeah. And I keep following the line around. And it's straight up, like, seriously, like a half mile long. Oh, my. And so I told my kids, because uh, a Build-A-Bears, like, can be 35 40 bucks, you uh-huh. know, for a bear. Yeah. And I told my kids, like, sorry, guys, no, dad's not going to wait in this line. And it was supposed to be about 100 degrees today. Yeah. And you're just standing in a parking lot. And there's just people. Everyone has a kid. Everyone's just standing out in this heat. Oh. And I, and I was so grateful to think, like, okay. I have enough, like, I, I don't want to pay full price for a Build-A-Bear, but I have the means yeah. to, like, we can come back next week and buy a Build-A-Bear. Uh, but, so, they, I just subsidized the difference, and then we went to Walmart, and they picked out a different toy. Oh. So, I got, like, a Hot Wheels track and stuff. But, um, then, uh, so, that was, that was fun. Then we went to swim lessons. That was a lot of fun. Then my son had soccer tonight, my four-year-old. Okay. At a soccer game. And... When he was getting ready for bed today, he just kept saying, today was an exhausting day. Cute. Yes, it was. Tired guy. So, uh, yeah, it was an exhausting day. And that is made for a very, very, very disjointed front to skull. I don't know how, what I'm going to write for the description of this episode. Just a whole bunch of crap. It should just be like four random words. Nothing from anything. Ah! <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> On that note. Oh my gosh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do it. And the title of the episode is going to be four random words. Yep. The description is going to be just four random words. Perfect. Uh, they will just like flip up in the dictionary or something and point. Yep. Let your kids just open the book, touch a word. Yeah. Done. Ah, oh my gosh, I love that. Disc golf progress. <sighs> well, thanks everybody for listening. Yeah. Please. Unless you want more rambly episodes, give us more content. So write into us. <laughs> ProMDiscGolf at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash ProMDiscGolf, uh, Instagram, Twitter. We've got some giveaways coming up. We got a giveaway Colleen stuff. We've still got some more um, Infinite Discs gift cards yep. that, we'll, that we'll give away. We just had life kind of get in the way for a little bit. And yep. that's not get in the way. Life should get in the way. Of life this, happens. Life's the priority. Yep. But, um, oh, there was. I didn't tell you this. Okay, we got to go out on this because otherwise it will never happen. Um, okay, this is from Jay Marmot. And uh, or the first part of the email uh, we're not going to get to. You, you and I talked about that, but this is the second part of the email. And it's a hypothetical. Okay. Would you rather play at a consistent competitive level but be otherwise unhappy with your life? Oh. Or give up the game in favor of having whatever else that matters in your life? Oh, that's easy. I'm, I'm assuming your answer is the same. I hope so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would. I would obviously rather give up disc golf and be happy. Yeah. Than be better yeah. at disc golf. I, I really like disc golf. It's a lot of fun, but it is not the most important thing in my life. Yeah. I mean, and it, I know Jay Marmot, and I know that I, I would be shocked if that wasn't his answer yeah. as well. Yeah. And I mean, I do love the sport, and being better would be amazing. Oh yeah. Um, and to be like consistently better would be amazing. But the way I to what am, end though? Like, what's the point of that if you have nothing else? Yeah, going for the you? way I am, I'm never good enough. So even at a oh, higher, true, yeah. consistent level, I would still feel the same as I do right now. And so to give up everything else 
for that. I just, I, I couldn't. Well, I'm, I, I'm not that way where I'm never good enough. You know, there's certain things in life that I feel like I'm that way, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty honestly, like pretty grateful and content with the things that I have. Um, not to say that I'm complacent at all, but I'm super happy with, with like my life right now, honestly. Um, uh, but, uh, to give that up, to play at a competitive level, even to give that up and be like the absolute best, like, yeah, be a Paul beyond Paul, like take Paul, Ken Climo, Ricky, Paige Pierce, everybody put them all in together. And then you're, 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 yeah. Eagle, everybody. And then you have all of that skill and, and you're, and you're shooting 20 under all of them on every course. Uh, I, still no, like not. Yeah. I mean, but if I was, I'm saying like if I'd given up something to get to that, I still wouldn't feel fulfilled. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Speaking of 20 under and Paul, real quick though, if you haven't watched round two of the Great Lakes Open, do it. Does he go 20 under? No. Oh. But he made Sports Center as not an ace. Like they featured the whole round because it was incredible. So I'll have to watch that. When watch was that? it. Great Lakes Open, round two. When was that, though? Just oh, last week. Okay. Yeah. Great Lakes Open, round two, Paul Macbeth. I'll have to watch that. The, yeah, the card is Feldberg, Nico, Paul, and uh, Kevin Jones. So he just, just played out of his head golf. What was the round rated? Do you know? Uh, it Unofficial was like 1108. It's pretty good. It should be higher. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's Ra- Ratings are bad. broken. We'll get to that soon. <laughs> I don't even know how they work. Yeah, we'll get there. I'm... Another day. I've played one rated round, and my rating is somehow higher than my one rated round. So. Exactly. We'll we'll get, we'll get to how much <laughs> sense they make. Oh. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, I think we've plugged all of our social media and stuff, but you yep. know, uh, yep. uh, do it and follow Socialize. us. Socialize. Subscribe on other people's phones. Rate and review us. And until next time, uh, keep throwing plastic. Cheers. Cheers.